0: Welcome to the Limitless Entrepreneur Podcast, your weekly dose of strategies and mindset tools to build a business in alignment with your purpose and get you playing a bigger game. I'm your host, Nicole Leno. Hello, and welcome to the Limitless Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Leno, and I am here. I'm so excited to have the guest that I have with me today uh, here on the show. Her name is Christina Giandali. And if you don't know who she is, she's kind of known as the, at least in the circles that I have traveled in as the Facebook group queen. She is always doing something and she's a wonderful collaborator. So I was really excited to have her come on today, just to give you a little bit of her bio before I introduce her and, and hand it over to her. She's a confidence boosting, cash creating business growth strategist who can talk about using Facebook groups as social media strategy for product launches and scaling business. She's a self-made millionaire who started her business from ground zero during maternity leave from her corporate job. Um, this, so so much of your story speaks to me, Christina. Welcome to the show. Thank you so Thanks much for being having me. Here. Um, what it, I I just read a little bit of your bio there. What would you like the listeners to know that I left out? Anything?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I think that, um, you know, for... I, I had spent years working in the corporate space with just good enough with having all of those boxes checked of, okay, I've got a corporate job. It was cushy. I got a regular paycheck. I had all the things that you think that you could want. Husband, you know, um, money in the bank, house, you know, career, all the things that you could want. And yet there was still that piece of me that felt like I was yearning for something more. And I didn't know exactly what that was. And I was kind of in the search of it. It wasn't until having kids where I realized that I was not willing to just be building someone else's dreams that I wanted to be building my own. And also just recognizing that, heck, you know what, like as, as moms, especially as women getting the kids, like I was working in in the finance. And so I'd have to schlep the kids off. I'd have to go take the kids um, or my daughter, at least in the beginning, uh, to daycare, and I would, the stock market would open at 6 30 a.m. Pacific. So I'd have to get up super early, get going, get her prepared, get her to daycare early in the morning so that I could get to the office on time. And I don't, she'd always be so tired in the morning, going through that whole process, working a whole day, coming back, picking her up, getting gearing up for the day. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is my life. Like, this cannot possibly be it. And it wasn't until my second baby that came around that I finally made the decision to take the leap and. Um, Start my own business.
0: Yeah, it's so often that, like, the the circumstances kind of push us into changing our circumstances where they kind of clue us into, like, this doesn't feel good. And sometimes it needs to get so bad that we go, okay, I can't do it anymore. And it forces you to kind of look and start saying, like, well, could there be something else? Is there something else that interests me? I did the exact same thing. I had a a banking career (laughs) on Wall Street and the exact same thing, burned out and changed my life and haven't looked back since. So well, thank you for sharing that because I know that there are a lot of women listening to this show right now that are either in that boat where they're trying to make that transition and they're trying to get the courage up, or they've made that transition and they're hoping to end up where you are um, as a, you know, the millionaire business owner. So I want to talk about and we we chatted a little bit about the about this before the show started, but I know that the the things that people are very, very focused on, there's always algorithm changes. There's always these things happening where people don't want to be a slave to social media anymore. They want to have things be manageable, but they do want to grow an audience. That's constantly the, the complaint that I hear from people is just, how do I grow an audience? How do I keep them engaged? And ultimately, because I want to convert them. And you kind of do both of these things in in two really unique ways with facebook groups using them as nurture tools and then also you're also doing these summits and and collaborative events and i think that that's one of those things that goes a little bit overlooked is how powerful collaborations can be for your business can you talk a little bit about what you've experienced in that summit world and and how you're 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 working it into your business
1: yeah absolutely it was you know, just looking at, just finished, just wrapped up an event, actually a, a live summit event over the last three days. We raised $22,000 for charity just in the last three days, which is amazing. And I was looking back, we've done several of these events now, these charitable fundraising events. So get to tie it into giving back and purpose. And Uh, We realized that we've raised over a hundred thousand dollars for charity just as a result of Jamie's events, which is just blew my mind. I actually didn't realize the number was that big. And just taking a look at just like this accumulation through six different of these charitable events have created that. And, And so it's something that I love and use in my business, but it actually started like when I go back to my corporate days, when I was working in finance, one of the uh, one of the things that I was really passionate about as well is fundraising efforts, and so I actually raised over four hundred thousand dollars. Funded a committee that put on a series of events that raised over four hundred thousand dollars for our local hospital. And in doing that, what I recognized was the greatest amount of growth for putting on an event was always partnering with other people and building relationships. And it was one thing for one person to go invite people to an event. But if you have a whole committee of people and that that entire community of people are leaders in the the community and they're inviting their people and we're bringing in sponsors, what an epic event you get to create. And so it was never the power of one. It was the power of collaboration that created that. So when I actually started my business online, I remember thinking like I wanted to do collaborations. I knew that it was about building relationships. The key to success is always about building relationships, building relationships ideal clients. Building relationships with key players. Like, I knew that was such a big part of it, but also no one knew my name. I was like, brand new, like, who the heck are you? (laughs) Like, no one knows who I am. How am I going to put myself on the map to be like, to become a player in the industry, essentially? And so I was like, well, I know that I need to tap into building relationships. So, how am I going to be able to do that? And what value do I have to bring? And so I remember early on in my business, I created a summit event. I had no idea what I was doing. I was piecing things together and I went from maybe 20 people on my email. Email list to 260 people in just a short amount of time. And that may or may not seem like a big number to, to you for me at the time. It was huge. It Percentage really was. Wise,
0: it's true. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, it felt like a huge deal. And I was like, oh my gosh, I actually have people there listening to me. Like, I actually have someone to talk to now. And before it was like 20 people, and that was like including my husband and my mom and the dog, and like anyone that I could possibly squeeze in there. And so it was like it shifted something about feeling legitimate. Now, I didn't really know how to sell on the back end of that and everything tanked after that. And I'm not, you know, this wasn't <laughs> this wasn't the breakthrough moment, but it was a breakthrough in my thinking on seeing myself as a leader or seeing myself as that I had a space in this place, even though I was brand new, no one knew who I was. I was starting from scratch. I felt like I was constantly trying to prove myself. And And I've since had the opportunity, you know, over six years to build a multi-seven-figure company, and I've definitely used those strategies to be able to collaborate and connect and and have significant audience growth.
0: And there was something that you said there that I just kind of want to I want to pull out and highlight there that you know it, it made you see what was possible. It made you see yourself in a different light. It made you, and I think we you can't underestimate or undervalue that because. You're the operating system. If you don't believe that energy is going into everything that you do, and when you do believe that energy is going into everything you do, and that has such a, it's such an invisible effect on the visible results that you get in your business. Like we wonder why we do the same things as other people, but they get results that we don't. Or vice versa. And a lot of times it's the energy behind it, it's the belief behind it, it's the power that you put behind it. That's your ability to be able to ask people to join a summit and make those phone calls and build those relationships. So I just wanted to highlight that because people often think so much about the mechanics and like how, 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 how. how. And sometimes it's just lighting a spark and then lighting the spark and then lighting another spark and how much that can that can affect what you do. So Let's, let's just, I, you, you touched on so much there, but I wanted to, let's talk about like, what is a summit? Like, let's just get everybody, anybody who's never been part of one. We got, we get invited to a lot of them. Maybe you've participated, but to you, how do you run yours? And and is there kind of a framework that you work within where you're saying like, I usually focus on this and do we have like a topic structure? How, How do you, where do you start with a summit and how do you view them?
1: Yeah. So I think that there's, you know, it's interesting enough. I think a lot of people have an opinion if they've heard of the word summit, have an opinion of what it is, whether it's good or bad or perspective on it. So I actually typically don't even use the word summit when I'm speaking about it because it comes like words always have meaning for us. So so to me, I look at it as it's like a joint venture collaboration to supercharge your email list. And essentially what it is, is you put together an event where you're coming up with a theme. So um so i we just created uh the event that we just wrapped up this week was called the wealthy coaches summit. Again, I haven't used the word summit in years, but I thought, well, we're going to try it out and test it out. So it's called the wealthy coaches summit. So the intention for the event was really thinking, okay, what's the theme? Well, to me, I I know that people want to make money and I know they want to get clients, right? But what I know that's more important than that what people really want is they want freedom freedom for their life, freedom to do what they want, freedom to be able to pay off their debt, freedom to be able to do what they want, when they want, how they want to do it, and never have money be be a reason why they can, not and to make a bigger difference in the world. And so to me, the meaning wealth isn't just about money in because as fast as money can come in, let's be real, it
0: can go out too,
1: right? We've all had those moments like quickly come in and then where did it go? It's gone. And so when I think about wealth, I think about it's a lifestyle and it's a way of being. And because my background is in wealth management, I spent years working with the most like wealthy, influential people in my community. Even when I was broke, even when I didn't have any money, um, I I learned to start to think, how do they think? What do they do differently? How do they operate? How do they show up? And I was like, recognize it was so much more about the lifestyle and the creation of wealth. And when you truly own like- when you, when you truly step into the beingness of having that wealthy life, it's like, you've got the confidence to create whatever the heck you want. That if my business disappeared today, I couldn't care less. I could recreate it. And I would have the knowing of being able to rebuild that. And, you know, in my, in my twenties, I went from completely broke and having to put groceries back on the shelves and, you know, scrubbing up moldy trailers to make a few bucks to becoming a millionaire in my my mid twenties, losing it all and rebuilding it again and, and so I've, I've learned a thing or two around wealth. So I put this event together because I was like, I want to, I really want to encourage people to recognize it's not just about the getting clients. It's not just about the money. And yes, that's what we focus on, but if we don't focus on the bigger mission and recognizing what that has the opportunity for us to create the good in the world and the wealthy lifestyle and the impact and the the generational wealth that we have the opportunity to create. Sometimes we miss the mark and we get hung up on the day-to-day thing or the one failure that stood in front of your success or the one thing that didn't work out instead of really stepping into that expansiveness of what gets to be possible from there. So long-winded answer to your to your question is the theme you've got to have a passion for the theme as to like why you want to do something and although from the outside looking in it was like okay it's about creating wealth what i really knew underneath was that what I wanted people to know, what I wanted people to walk away from. So it's like the the, the topic, but your underlying theme, your meshe- message that, is, that you want to get across and weave through as you go through the event. And then making invitations for other speakers who are already marketing to your ideal audience in slightly different ways than you. So for example, you know, I'm very well known as the go-to expert on Facebook groups as you were saying earlier. So if I was going to do an event, let's say I was going to do an event that was going to be on, um, you know, uh, grow your audience get you know grow your audience using social media i could bring people on from youtube and clubhouse and tiktok and instagram and linkedin and i could have people come on all different platforms to tie into the topic and it would be complementary to what i'd be doing but not the exact same and so you have your theme you have your reason behind it and then you invite people that are already marketing to your ideal audience and the purpose of that is that you get to feature them on the platform but they also uh, get to contribute the content so you're not creating all the content and they market the event to their audiences which means that you have a collective audience growth between all of the people coming in because everyone's promoting and sharing that event to their audience which means that you get to see a significant growth in your audience as a result of all of these speakers that that are coming on and how you package these events can change and it really depends on on your number one key priority as well as like how long you've been in business changes determine sort of the length and style of the event that you put together.
0: And is the ultimate goal does it shift from summit to summit or do you kind of always have a main goal Obviously the charitable ones are different than the than the profit driven ones but or the for profit ones but are you are you thinking about like this is mainly for audience growth and are there is there a group package that people are buying into or are people just buying the individual programs so if you had 12 speakers there are 12 different programs being offered and everybody's kind of like you keep your piece like this if you sell something it's yours how how does that work
1: yeah, so you can do if you do a sum if you're doing an event where your speakers are selling, typically you'd have an affiliate arrangement where you would get paid out um 40, 50% of the the sales that they're producing when they're selling. I personally don't like the opportunity for people to be selling on this on, on the Summit if you're going to be having multiple speakers off making different offers. Cause I just know that as entrepreneurs, it's easy to get. And I know I used to, I lived in this space for a long time. It was like shiny object. Oh, I need this. Oh, I need this. And you keep thinking like you need all these things. And then what happens is you stockpile all this information and all this stuff. And then you never get started on anything because there's just too many things to choose from. And so I think of everyone selling something different. It's, it's, Uh, you know, it's pulling people into multiple different directions versus like recognizing, okay, what's the big, what's the thing that's really going to help this person move forward. So I prefer the opportunity of recognizing if you're going to have an event is that you're hosting this event, you bring people on, they add value, they can offer a free gift. So they can build, the speakers can build their email list as well. So they can offer a free gift at the end of their talk, but at the end of that event, so you can sell the recordings to this event as people are opting in, and you can raise funds that way. Um, you know, we've gone from anywhere from you know our clients have gone from anywhere from making a thousand dollars on recordings to thirty thousand dollars on recordings. So there's a big range of that. But after the event's over, is then when you start to move people into your sales system or, or making those invitations to for people to purchase what it is that you're selling. So that's where. You know That's why I highly recommend that you have people coming into your group and you go through your sales process, whatever that might be for you. If you're running a challenge or a webinar or a video series, or uh, even just an email sequence, you're driving them through a series to make that invitation to work with you. And the, the, so the, sum, the purpose of the summit isn't so much about monetization on the front end. It's to build the audience and to engage that audience and really warm up that audience Um, And then determine what it is specifically that they're looking for. Like, what's their major pain point? What's the thing that they need to fix right now? And how do you bridge the gap between that and your offer so that you can get those yeses? So often we try and make decisions in a bubble. Like, oh, I think people want this. But when you build an audience, let's say, you know, typically for a summit, you'd have an audience build of, you know, 1,000 to 2,000 email subscribers, now you suddenly have 1,000 to 2,000 people that tell you what they want. It's much easier to have a profitable launch and a profitable sales campaign after that than to build people in as a small trickle and then ask them and then hope that you're going to land with them. It just gives you that opportunity for so much more growth.
0: And everybody gets the leads? Everybody on your summit? Are, or, or is it just the person who runs it?
1: So, um, so typically on a multi-day summit events, this is where I recommend people start from the beginning as doing a multi-day event over two weeks and having two speakers a day. And, um, you keep the whole, you keep the list yourself as the host of the event and your speakers get the opportunity to build their list from their free gift that they offer during their interview. So when people watch their interview, if they want to go deeper with them, they sign up for their free gift. That's sort of the, 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 the way that I think that if you're going to do your first one, it's going to provide you the greatest opportunity to win because you have a longer Mm -hmm. window. You can get to know your people. You can engage with them longer. You'll have a bigger audience build. You'll have more speakers. So that's the area where I recommend that you start and then you go and, and you go into monetization after that. Now, if you're further advanced in your business or you've done an event before you have an existing audience, you know what your offer is, doing a charitable style event or a one-day event where it's live and it's not pre-recorded and you do it for three hours and you can do a list share for that with the speakers and saying hey we're going to do a list share for all of the leads that are generated we're going to share the leads between all of the speakers and it makes it a great win-win for everyone that's on it makes it live there's huge incentive there's fewer speakers Um, but if you are if you're not clear on your ideal client if you're not clear on your offer then I don't recommend that event because you have a shorter window. And if you think about like all the strategies that we build that you build out online, the longer you spend time with people, the less um, skillful you need to be. The less time you have with people, the more skillful you need to be to be able to convert them, evoke, create that demand, evoke that desire for your paid programs and services. So if you're newer and you haven't mastered that, give yourself the time Mm because you can fall down a lot more. If you're more advanced, it's like, okay, great. Let's just go in for a quick pop and know that you've you've developed the skill set to be able to create that connection and the engagement quickly to move people along the line, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. And... And who are summits right for? Like, if somebody's listening to this and they're going, "Should I do this, or is this the right thing for me?" Do you do you have any criteria that you feel like you're a hard yes or a hard no on whether, or are they right for everybody? I think
1: that um, I mean, quite honestly, I've just seen it done in so many different industries. The most important, the the most important. I mean, we've we've had we've had clients that have done events before that have helped people. Um, you know, heal after losing a loved one from Mm -hmm. suicide. We've had people do them for helping kids, parents of kids that have been diagnosed with ADHD to figure out their next steps. We've had people do it for uh, marriage, relationship, building, connection, business building, tutoring. So there's so many different avenues you can do. I think the most important thing is, are you wanting to build an online business? Mm-hmm. Right Are there people that are already selling something similar to what you're doing? Maybe not the same, but there's other people that are marketing to your ideal audience. And if those two boxes are checked, then you have the opportunity to set up an event. So it, I've seen people do it in real estate, in fashion, in uh, you know in wealth management. you know there's many different avenues that you can do it.
0: And is an email sequence the only way to nurture or is that what you use? in order to nurture and convert on the back end? Or are there other mechanisms that you use that you've seen success with for moving those people? Because so many people like that, a lot of people think they have a lead getting problem, but it's really a lead keeping and nurturing and warming up and converting problem. So we just, it just, we, we tend to look at like, I need more, I need more, I need more. And the truth is, is that no, you need to do something with the ones that you have. So how do you approach that? that very important post-monetization piece.
1: Yeah. So this is exactly what I went through that first summit that I did when I was starting my business. And I had high hopes. of like, this is going to be it. Like maybe you've had that experience, right? Like this thing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. It's going to be it. And then you do the thing and it's like, uh, uh, that was not what I expected. And, and so I had, I had one of those moments. And if you been an entrepreneur for a nanosecond, you've had a moment where you've just questioned whether or not, why are you doing this? Maybe you should just quit. Like, what's the point? And yeah, I just once that.
0: you say yeah. That. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> once per day, you know,
0: <laughs> once per week,
1: it's, it's, it's a frequent, it could be a frequent flyer, especially, you know, in, in certain stages of your business too. And, and uh, so I remember having this moment and I was, I was, avoiding looking at my finances and I'm like I'm a fi- I have my my background's finance but I didn't want to look at it. I was like no, I don't want to look at it. I can't do it. I, and I'm like I know it's not going to be pretty. I don't want to look at it. But one day I decided, I'm like okay, I'm going to pick up my big girl pants and I'm just going to take a look. And I then I printed out my metrics, my numbers and on one sheet I'm sitting down having a cup of coffee in the morning and I was like okay, I'm going to do this. On one sheet, I look over and it has like my goal numbers that I'd set for myself, my big audacious plan. The next sheet had my actual numbers of the results that I created. And I remember pausing and just looking at the two, and they were so far off from each other. But it wasn't until I really gave myself the opportunity to really look at it truthfully that it really hit me. And I was like, how is it that I can be? you know, like how is it that could have been successful in my corporate career? And I'm failing so poor, like so badly here in my business. Like, why is it that like, why can't I hit the mark? Why isn't it happening for me? And, And it brought me back to a conversation that I had with one of my mentors when I was in corporate world. And I remember asking her, she was like, she had built this amazing business. And I said to her, her name was Bev. I said, Bev, Like, what's the secret to success? Like, you've worked with all these incredible people. Like, can you tell me what the secret is? And she's like, Oh, Christina, I have it for you. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be good. Like, I'm gonna find some magical unicorn (laughs) strategy of something, right? And so I lean in and she says, Christina, it's really simple. The 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 key to success is just about building relationships. And it took me a while for it to really land with me. But in that moment, I brought back to that conversation. And I'm like, well, how am I building relationships? I'm building my email list, but I don't really know who's on the other side of it. I sent out an email, like, are they going to respond? Are they going to say, like, do, do, who are these people? I don't know who they are. And if I don't know who they are, how the heck am I supposed to talk to them in a way that's going to be compelling? So I felt like I was having a one-sided conversation all the time. And so I thought, well, how can I create those relationships and build that connection online? And that's when I realized... Well, I could use a Facebook group because now I can see people and I can bring them into a hub, into a community, and I can build that relationship with them. And so I'd been struggling and struggling and struggling. I really wanted to hit that ten thousand dollar month mark and would fall short, and would fall short, and would fall short again. And. And so I decided, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start a Facebook group and I'm just going to focus on really creating that connection with these people. I have some people here. I know I'm early stages, but this is what I'm really going to focus on. I'm going to focus on creating that connection. That month that I started my free Facebook group, I did $30,000 like cash and received in the money in the bank. And I was completely blown away. And I knew that I was onto something. And so it wasn't that the people weren't there per se. It's like, I didn't know what to do with them. And I didn't know what to do with them because I didn't know who they were.
0: Yep, and and that is the big thing is that it there's the Facebook groups and and I've I've had a lot of success with my Facebook group too and it, it blew the doors off my business as well when I started to nurture and convert in Facebook groups that was when I went from like twenty thousand dollars a year to a hundred thousand dollars a year like literally it felt like overnight you know just one launch changed everything and then there was momentum and like it it, it really was about The barrier being gone, that it wasn't just. I think about like when I go into, you know, you go into like a CRM or you go into, you know, Kajabi or Thinkific or whatever you're using, ConvertKit, and it's, they don't even showcase the people. It's really funny in those programs. You look at them and there's no people. I built a CRM. So it's funny to me to see it like that way, where it's like the people are just like, it's like, they're they're an afterthought. It's about the page, it's about all of these things that are doing the selling for you and there's no people really behind it. There's some number. And Facebook groups are not like that. There's a profile, there's a person and you can interact with them and have this two-way thing. So it, there is such power in it. And so are is that the mechanism that you use probably kind of uniquely for these summits where you're moving people and your goal is to get them into your Facebook group to build those relationships with them and, and take it further. Yeah.
1: hundred percent. So I've always found that, you know, typically the, you know, the, the average conversion rate on your email list is 2% industry average. Right. So yeah. if you think if you have a hundred people on your email list, you're going to expect two people to buy, like that's 98 people, the 98 people that are going to be a no, right. They're not yeah. going to take you up on it. So my experiences with Facebook groups, you start to see those numbers grow significantly. So what might be average conversion rate with your email list 2%. Oftentimes with your Facebook group, it can be 5%, um, even higher than that as a result of how many people get to buy. And the reason is, is that you're mirroring what you're doing on your email list. You're able to market to them in both locations, but you're able to connect, create the deeper connection with them in the group. So yes, 100% we use... Um, and. And we actually use pop-up Facebook group strategies. So we open Facebook groups um, for campaigns, bring people through, and then we close them down and then serve our paid clients and our paid groups and programs on the back end of it. Um, But you can absolutely do that with long-term Facebook groups where you're keeping the group open, you're continuing to build, which is where I recommend people start because you're building an asset that you're continuing to grow and to build um, and a bit further along the line, more advanced as being able to have those kind of, you're opening up a group for a sequence and then closing it off and then starting a new one. So you have this fresh energy coming in of people excited. You get to really get to know them, serve them and move them along the line.
0: How long do you leave a pop-up group open for? Are you nurturing for a period of time before, or are you kind of opening it up right as you're starting the event and, and nurturing hardcore during?
1: Yeah. So typically during the promotion and the sales period of whatever your campaign is. So let's say as an example, what strategy that I teach my clients is if they're if they're hosting a summit, what I recommend they host their summit, they're going to host it for their two weeks or however long they're going to host it for. Um, they're going to be bringing people in, engaging each day, going live each day, connecting with those people throughout that summit At the end of their summit, I recommend they host a webinar or masterclass and make an invitation. And those are going to be for their hottest people. And then a couple of weeks later to bring people into a launch campaign, a challenge or a video series or something. So you kind of have two scoops up, (laughs) two scoop sweeps of making that invitation for people to come in. And then when the cart closes, the doors close and you fill your program, then the group comes down trainings come down, everything comes down and you close off and it creates urgency for people to step in as well, because like, we're inherently lazy. We don't have to do something. We won't do it like, let's put it off. I'll do that later. I'll do that later. We never do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know it's my cart close day. It's like, you, you, you gotta give them some reason to do it before then. So you can stop sweating and get some sales in at the beginning because they're not going to do it unless you incentivize them to is what can be put off will be unless you give them a reason not to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um well just with the with the a couple of minutes we have left i i since we're talking about facebook groups and we're talking about like a question people have that i hear coming up all the time because most of the people in my community are building facebook communities and nurturing and and selling in them a lot of people are saying they feel like engagement has gone down they've seen things change either you know since the algorithm you know there's a, everybody has some some event that they point to and say it was when this happened but are are you seeing that or are there any is there anything that you're doing to maybe whether the storm of algorithm changes or shifts in the platform where you keep things, where you're really building relationships? Because I think people are feeling like, I just don't see people engaging as much as they used to. It's gotten kind of noisy. How do you feel about that? And what are you doing?
1: So definitely there have been changes to algorithms and they've, and they're always changing no matter what. I mean, in the, in the years that since starting my very first Facebook group, the many things have changed within Facebook groups, but the important thing to recognize, I think so often we because engagement most people measure engagement by likes and comments, right? Did I get lights on it? Did I get comments? And if I'm not getting that or I'm not getting the level that I want, but that's my measure of engagement. But your true measure of engagement is active members and you can find that in your group insights. but your active members are the people that are, They're liking and commenting, but it also includes people that are consuming your content, meaning they're watching the videos, they're clicking to read more on your posts, They're actually consuming content. And most people are shocked when they realize how many people are actually active in their group, but may not be Mm -hmm. outwardly active. And we make decisions or we stop and start with being our consistency with posting and putting content out, engaging with people in response to the response that we think that we're getting. And so if people are still consuming and they're active in there, they're watching the things that you do. And oftentimes the buyers in your group are people that are lurking that you don't know that are there. And so I like to liken it to thinking about like a, if you had a football team, right? And if every single player was playing quarterback, you wouldn't have a team, Mm -hmm. right? And so everyone has different roles. And if we try and put everyone into the box of the role of being a commenter, then we're not creating a true community because there's going to be some people that are just going to be observers. There's going to be lurkers. Just gonna watch. There's going to be There's going to be some people that are like the raw, raw cheering everyone on. There's going to be some people that are the know-it-alls that want to have the answer to everything and help everyone, <laughs> right? There's going to be um, people that are connectors. They're constantly trying to connect the dots and connect people together with each other. There's going to be people that are just like your big raving fans that just want to show up for everything. So you're going to have all of these different personality types. You're going to have the rule followers that are just want to let you know if anyone's not following the rules. So you have all of these roles to fill in your community. But if we put it all the the focus on one type of community member, we're eliminating the majority of people in there. And so let's move aside the ego metrics and focus on the numbers that actually tell us are people consuming and taking in what we're sharing. And if they are, that's great. And how are you? uh, And the shift in perspective is as well with creating engagement. So years ago, we're, we're moving out, out of an information age. So before people would love consuming information, but the people would get overwhelmed with information because they get stacked up of information and save all these mm-hmm. posts, like the, all this good stuff and all these tips. And I'm like, I don't even know what to do with it. Cause there's too many things to do. Mm-hmm. And so those days are gone, but where we're at now is more of purposeful engagement is what stirs conversation and connection. And so those are one lines It's like a one-line question. It's a one-line fill in the blank. So for example, I might say, um, how do you feel about the engagement in your Facebook group? It is expecting a response. It's not speaking at people. It's speaking with them. It's giving them space to have a voice to be heard. And it also gives me language for what my ideal clients are thinking and saying so that I can take those words and speak those words to them when I talk on my live streams, when I write my emails, when I write my headlines. So simplify things, spend less time creating content and more time thinking about how do I just stir a conversation? Another question might be, you know, if I could, um, another question I love asking is if I could just blank, then I would blank. So for Mm -hmm. me, I help people grow their business and, and, and monetize. So I might put, if I could just make, and I put dollar sign blank, then I would blank. Now it's just fun to find out like, okay, how much money do people want to make? So I'm not assuming I'm finding out and it's an easy, like they can't help but answer, but it's not, it's not like, do you want a coffee or do you drink coffee or tea? It's purposeful in the sense it's aligned with my zone of genius, my, my area of expertise. It helps me get insight into my ideal clients and I'm making it really easy for them to answer. And I'm getting loads of copy examples that I can use when I'm then speaking to my people and I'm speaking to them in a way that lands with them. If I assume everyone in my group wants to make a hundred thousand dollars a year and then I survey my group and most of them just want to make a thousand dollars a month, well, there's going to be a disconnect if I'm talking about build your six figure year when they're like, heck, Christina, right. I just want to make a thousand dollars a month. Like <laughs> can you show me how to make a thousand dollars a month and I'd be happy. So, we can't assume it's about creating connection and conversation. And it doesn't mean that you're, so we often operate from overpouring of information because we don't, we feel like if we just give more value, people will see our value, or if we just prove that we're an authority, people want to buy from us. And that's not what builds connection.
0: Yeah. I, I you know, and I, everything that you said is just, Obviously, so spot on, but I, I'm, I I love everything that you said because it's also like it, it, how comforting is it to think that you could simplify it and you don't have to, because I felt this pressure myself too, where I was teaching twice a week in my Facebook group for free. And then it was like, what am I going to have left for the people behind the paywall? What am I going to have? And and there was plenty there, but it was racking my brain to think of new, fresh ways to say certain things that all tie to this that are still valuable for people. And I, I actually shifted a lot to like, how can I get people to know me? How can I get to know them? And when I shifted that, rather than getting them to like the posts, the the training, you know, it includes something into me about like my need to be liked and raised up. And no, what if I just facilitate a community where we raise each other up, and I learn? So I I think that that's just a breath of fresh air. I think for so many people that are listening to it, thank you for sharing that because it's I don't know, I feel better about it. It makes it seem more fun too, doesn't it? Then, like, I just show up and teach all the time.
1: Yes, and when it's fun, you'll actually show up, right? Versus like when yeah. it feels like a drag, and it feels like oh, it's like this heaviness that comes from doing it. You don't want to show up, and if you do create content from that place, how do you think the response rate is going to be, anyways? Right? Like, it's, it's just this is the the truth of the matter. And so, the and honestly, this has been a massive game changer when I stopped caring about what people thought or how people reacted to things and let go of that, I showed up in such a deeper way of being able to understand what my people actually want Is receptive to that. Well, what are they responding to? What do they want more of? And getting out of my own way of thinking that this is what they need to know. And this is what I should want to teach. And this is what I want to talk about because it doesn't have anything to do with you. It has to do with what they want and you need to bridge the gap to meet them where they're at. And in order to find out what they want, you got to ask them questions and you got to create conversation. But if let's say you did that question, how do you feel about engagement in your Facebook group? And all of the members are sharing oh my gosh, like it's crickets. Like, I don't even want to show up. Like what's going on. Um, And they start realizing, hey, you know what? I'm not the only one experiencing this. Other people are too. Now that's community. Now it's like, oh, okay, great. So I'm not broken. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with me. Like there's other people like me. Great. Now you can put that, uh, you know, shame or aside or, you know, the hiding aside or the imposter syndrome aside and focus on how you can show up and serve in a way that's going to elevate you and your clients.
0: It's so freeing thinking about it this way. And and I, I also, I think so many people are held back. I think particularly a lot of women, I think are held back from posting, doing more online. The, the gridlock that we experience comes so much from a place of just not feeling supported and, and feeling like we have to people pleasing and that we have to give so much. And before anybody can get it, before we can get anything, that when you shift out of that energy, it changes everything for you. And so, just changing that internal perspective will change how you're experiencing the day to day of all of it. And people will react to that too, because you're showing up in more power and not in that weaker energy of like, I have to show up and give my heart out. It, it doesn't mean you don't give, it's just you're giving from a different place. So true. Yeah, spot on. Well, I could talk to you forever because you've just, you've shared so much that it was just incredibly valuable. I'm so grateful to you for being here. Thank you so much. And do you have anything that you wanted to to say to the audience before, before we, uh, before we close out?
1: Yeah, I, I think that one of the most important things is recognizing that, You know, there's no the fastest way to build connection online with your audience is going to be with the Facebook group because you have that two way dialogue and you're creating community. And so, I've put together a special gift uh, for your listeners as well. And this is actually something that we sell. So, shh, quiet. Um, But I'm going to give it to you guys. So it's it's a it's a grow your group bundle. And so, what's included in it is you're going to have uh, a Facebook naming blueprint because you're, the name of your group is going to determine whether someone wants to click to join or not. So, it's going to have a naming blueprint. You're also going to get the perfect intro post template. So, oftentimes we struggle with, well, how do I introduce myself? What should I say? What should I not say? Um, how do I create connection? How do I create authority but still be normal and relatable? So, it gives you a template on that. And the third piece is okay. Well, you've got the name and you've got your intro post. Now you've got to figure out about getting those members in. So it's a quick start checklist, um, uh, actionable five-step mini course for you to go through where you can start getting members inside of your group and start getting that connection with them.
0: That's amazing. Where can they grab that? And we'll, we'll be sure to link it up in the show notes, of course. But
1: yeah, so uh, you can go to deliveryourgenius.com forward slash Nicole L. So deliveryourgenius.com forward slash Nicole L. And that's all lowercase.
0: Beautiful. Oh, I'm so excited about that. And, and do, are you, are, is there a Facebook group or anything that I know that they can, they can go here, of course, but follow you on Instagram or where else can they keep in touch with you just for the day-to-day?
1: Yeah. So you can connect with me on Instagram. It's Christina at Christina.jandali or on Facebook um, at Deliver Your Genius.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so so much for being here. This was wonderful. It was so wonderful to meet you and get to get a chance to chat with you. Um, Thank you so much, and thank you, listener, if you're still here with us all the way at the end. I hope that you jump in and get that beautiful, um, free only to you bundle that Christina is offering. I've I've purchased her her courses before. Her information is amazing, so definitely grab that. But thank you so much for being here all the way to the end. We appreciate you, and I want you to remember that. You are only limited by the limitations that you accept. And when you stop accepting those limitations, that is when you become limitless. Thank you. And we'll see you on the next episode. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more of this type of content and conversation in your life, please come check out our free Facebook community, Unlock Your Inner CEO, where you'll find next level entrepreneurs just like you. Go to innerceogroup.com to join. I'll see you there.